We're talking about the otherness of God. And we've been talking about knowing God since the 1st of January. And some people might think, are we ever going to talk about anything else? But those of us who are the church, those of us who are the bride, our pursuit both now and eternally is going to be singularly to know the bridegroom better. Would you agree with that? And we can talk about a lot of things from this pulpit. We can talk about how to have a better whatever, fill in the blank, applying the principles of Scripture to enhance and make one's life work the way God intends, and that's great. But I cannot think of a higher pursuit that God has called you and I to as disciples than to know Him better. It doesn't get any higher than that. And over these past few weeks, we've been looking at an aspect of God known as the otherness of God. And we looked at holiness. And I took a run at that, and then Pastor Duke and Pastor David, that while holiness is something that sets God uniquely apart from anything that we will ever experience humanly, regardless of how good it gets, how cleaned up we get, how much of Christ we can reflect, God's holiness stands unique, separate, and apart from anything we will ever attain. Can we all understand that? Last week, Pastor Paul Harris talked about God's omnipotence, his strength and power. And that strength and power uniquely manifested in his resurrection. Ephesians talking about God exerting that power as he raised Christ from the dead. I mean, this is, this is no trick of a magician. This is no party trick. I mean, this is resurrecting dead flesh. This is God saying, that's enough. You can get up now. The omnipotence of God. That prefix, omni, it means Every kind of, the whole of, to work, produce an abundance and without limit. Nothing is beyond his power. Nothing. Whether in heaven above or earth below, it begins, it ends with him, his word. And one of the primary lies of the enemy is that somehow it's beyond God. Isn't that one of the lies that we have to contend with? That somehow this marriage is beyond God's reach. Somehow this stage four diagnosis is beyond God. It's the lie of the enemy. That something is somehow beyond God's power or somehow beyond God's purview. Did God miss this? Did God not see this somehow? Which takes us to yet another omni, the omniscience of God, the all-knowing of God. I think we could all agree that information is the true currency of the modern age. Can we all agree with that? It's not Bitcoin. 
It's not your favorite currency, but information is the true currency of modernity. You get it right, you're a hero. If you're the first one out of the box, you're the first one that gets your video posted, all of a sudden you're a hero. You get it wrong, you go to jail. And information's a tricky thing. Who knows what, when, how, and especially now, how quickly. Someone said knowledge is power. That's certainly true, both secular and sacred. My wife and I last year were in Germany. We happened into a museum. I've told this story before, and we we saw this volume published in the 16th century. And in this one volume, it says, herein is all of the information known to man. Between the covers of one book, here it is. If you could somehow learn all of this, you would have amassed all of the knowledge, all of the information that everything that's come forth up to that period of time, it's contained in this book. You got it, baby. You smart. Now, don't you wish it were that simple? And yet how many of us know that living in the Google age, that the rate of information coming at us is exponential now? I mean, the numbers don't even work how it's just just exponentially every day, how much information continues to come to us. And not just scientific discovery, not just medical discovery, but just information bombards us. And we can barely contain just a little bit of it. And yet it continues to come. And yet I think as we begin to talk about the distinctions and the otherness of God, we need to look at the distinction between what is God's omniscience and what is our limitation as it comes to amassing and consuming knowledge. You know, it's been interesting as I kind of looked at this and looked at omnipotence and omniscience and Next week, I probably will talk about immutability, the unchangeableness of God. And I begin to think, I really don't want to speak on this. This is just, this is just really dry. This is just theology. And I begin to unpack this. And all of a sudden, a devotional and worship begin to spring forth as another aspect of who this God is that we serve. And coming into an understanding and a revelation of what it means to serve an omniscient God. First of all, God's knowledge is intuitive. It's not discursive. What do I mean by that? Our knowledge is discursive, meaning that it comes by way of observation. It comes by way of what? Learning. But you see, God's information doesn't come by learning. God doesn't learn anything. God knows everything. That's an important distinction to know right there. It's innate. It's immediate. He simply knows. He neither discovers nor does he forget. Hmm. Job chapter 21, verse 22. Can anyone teach knowledge to God since he judges even the highest? Second point, God's knowledge is simultaneous, it's not successive. 
What do I mean by that? He sees things at once and in their totality. Whereas we only know objects of knowledge as they're brought before us. It's successive. We, we learn this and then we learn this. Children, they, they figure out how to, how to scoot around and then they get up on all fours and then they learn how to stand a little bit. And then somewhere down the road when they're like 16, they learn to tie their shoes. God bless Velcro. But our learning is successive, but with God, it's all at one time. It's all, it's all there at once. With God, the act of perception is complete, instantaneous. And he thinks about everything at one time. That's an amazing computer, isn't it? Wayne Grudem says it this way. If God should wish to tell us the number of grains of sand on the seashores or the number of stars in the sky, he would not have to count them all quickly like some kind of giant computer nor would he have to call the number to mind because it was something he'd not thought about for a time. Rather, he knows all things at once. And all of these facts and all other things that he knows are always fully present in his consciousness. Do you ever wonder sometimes, how does God manage that many prayer requests at one time? I mean, God's got one or two things going on. Would you agree with that? I mean, kind of keeping, keeping the universe and the black holes from sucking this black hole into this thing and keeping the sun on at the right distance and the right temperature and the moon here. And, the, and, and, and that's before we ever get to, to this orb. God's he, he's got to figure out how to keep the planet, the, the gravity switched on, and then how to keep... You know, the nations from completely just destroying themselves through their ideologies and their militaries. And then we get down to the individuals. God, I need, I need, I need. And yet somehow, God doesn't have to say, now, what, what, what was it that Pastor Sean prayed for? Let me, let me go back in my journal. And, and what, what day was that? God's got it all right here. You see how this will incite worship? Number three, God's knowledge is not independent. Is independent, rather. It's not dependent. He does not receive his knowledge from anyone or anything external to himself. In other words, it's always been there. Isaiah, the 40th chapter who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult and who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? It's always been there. The fourth, God's knowledge is infallible. It's not subject to error. Theologian Ronald Nash said it this way, Divine omniscience means that God holds no false beliefs. Not only are all of God's beliefs true, the range of his knowledge is total. He knows all true propositions. God is always correct in what he knows. You know, I've been walking with God for a moment. 
And as you've heard me state many times, so much of what I thought I knew about God 40 years ago, I've come to learn after getting a glimpse of walking with him for a while, that much of what I thought I knew about God really wasn't quite true. What I held theologically and even could create some type of systematic around it and say, this is what I believe about this. A year goes past and some reading goes past and some revelation begins to get at it and you realize, I was just flat wrong about that. How many of you know that the limitation of how we process knowledge and facts, it'll keep you humble after a while? Come on. I mean, it'll keep you humble when you begin to realize, I've been reading that passage wrong for 40 years. And using the right commentaries too, I might add, but I was still wrong. God never has any of those error messages come up on his screen. Never. And God's knowledge is infinite. It's not partial. Acts 15, 18. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. God's got it all. Reformed theologians used to refer to the attributes of God in two categories, the incommunicable and the communicable. The former dealt with those attributes of God that were completely unique to him. In that list included independence, including his self-existence and his self-sufficiency, meaning that God was not created. God has always been. Okay, that's one that will keep you awake at night. But you just have to accept that by faith. So God's independence, God's immutability, meaning God is unchanging and God is not subject to the forces of change. This makes God absolutely unique. God's infinity, which is the freedom from limitations of time and space. This is how God can be omnipresent. This is how God can be everywhere at the same time, all the time. And then God's simplicity, meaning simply there's no inherent conflict between his thoughts, desires, and his actions. These are all the incommunicable aspects of who God is. But then there are those aspects that God then does translate and transfer to us. What these theologians refer to as communicable. And these include such things as freedom, power, moral attributes, such as goodness, truth, holiness, righteousness. Now we know that these qualities, of course, were lost in the fall. And they have to be redeemed and restored as being renewed in Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Colossians 3.10. But among communicable qualities are wisdom. How many of you know that God will indeed impart to us wisdom? One of Pastor Donnell's life messages is wisdom. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are about what? Wisdom. That God will share an aspect of his knowledge, his wisdom with you and with me. Aren't we glad of that? Because God is the source of all that wisdom. But divine wisdom is simply an outworking of the omniscience of God. Once again, it's not the result 
of acquiring or obtaining. God doesn't pay the tuition of life lessons like you and I do. Whoops, I won't do that again. God doesn't ever have a whoops moment of I didn't know that because God's always known that. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You ever heard that? You realize God's always had twenty twenty hindsight. Because God has always seen how the disparate pieces of our life work together. You and I get a partial glimpse. Sometimes it's a decade later when we can go back and recount and relive some aspect and realize, wow, that's what God was doing. That's how God chose. Wow. And and then we, we have this aha moment. Because we finally can see how two or three pieces of the entire kaleidoscope of our life comes together. But God sees the whole thing all the time. God has always seen this piece, this circumstance, this sin, this forgiveness, this individual, this con. He's always seen this in the context of the opus of your life coming together to work out something in conformity to his person and his plan. Amazing. I'm sorry, but that's not divine design. It's not that simple. I appreciate all of the terms that every generation tries to coin to try to figure this out, this one out. But the reality is, this is something when you begin to realize, God, there's no way I could have ever crafted that in my life. Hmm. It requires a viewpoint and a vantage point that's only available through omniscience. You and I don't have it. Not only what has happened, but what is happening and what will happen for knowledge. 1 Corinthians 13 says that we see in part and we do what? Know in part, prophesy in part. But you see, there is no in part with God. God is always dealing with the whole. God is always seeing the end result. Now, you and I love foreknowledge, don't we? Or we think we do. We love foreknowledge when it's good information. Thank you very much. And we get prophetic glimpses. And God will give us these these insights at times, whether it's through his written word or whether it's through revelatory means through a dream or through, through a prophecy. And God will give us some foreknowledge to help us kind of sort all of this out to keep us from running off into the ditches. But even the disparate pieces that we get only make up the part. And God's always had perfect foreknowledge. Now, I'm laying out some theology for you, and I'm going to have to land the plane. Some, some of you are going to say, I hope he finishes this quick because I'm dying out here. But next week I want to talk about how foreknowledge works, some different theological viewpoints, and then I want to respond and react to what is our outworking? How do we respond to the omniscience of God? Because let me say to you, when revelation comes... That the God that you serve, 
who has called you out by name, then we don't just spout out these little, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. (laughs) Plans for hope. It's all true. But you know, that's one of those little bumper sticker scriptures. And we say it because it makes us feel better. But when we get a revelation of the omniscience of God, let me just tell you, that passage of scripture, it takes on a reality and a depth. It takes on a resonance that's not just a bumper sticker. It's not just something we say to make ourselves feel good when our life feels like it's jumping off the rails. But we realize this is a God that is always governed. He's always dealt with us on the basis of having it all of having access to every intent of our heart, every thought that we have, Jesus wept. And we'll talk about that next week. The omniscience of God, when we begin to realize that now God is dealing with us not just on the basis of moral action, what it looks like when he gets to the outside, but God is dealing with, oh my, that every thought is visible and naked before him. It's like, well, I didn't say it, so it doesn't count, right? Uh Uh-uh. You begin to realize in the omniscience of God, God knows that thought. He's always known that thought. He's always known that intent of your heart. Yet, in him, what does it say? There is no condemnation. It's an amazing thing to me. And I tell you, it moves our discipleship, it moves our worship. It moves the way we do our life away from just, well, I didn't do it, so I'm good. Thank you. It's a good step. Thank you for keeping that middle finger down in traffic. Thank you for that. Thank you for not letting it come out of your mouth when someone treats you ill at the Costco. Actually, they're really nice people there. But it's What's happening here now? I got to tell you, this is, this is, oh my, this is like graduate work right here. This is, this is like Pastor Paul, Professor Paul. This is like postgraduate kind of stuff going on right here. When you begin to realize God's seen it all. He knew how you were going to respond and react in that situation. And yet, and yet. He doesn't condemn you. And yet he navigates us through it. He cleanses us if necessary when we blow it. Even if we haven't done it on the outside, when we've done it on the inside. Trust me, a revelation of the omniscience of God will take us to entire new levels of worship and relationship. Amen? Pray with me.